Today's episode of The Thriller Zone with David Temple is sponsored by The Story Factory and the visionary genre-bending debut novel Grand Theft AI by James Cox. The Matrix meets Blade Runner. Grand Theft AI is available now for pre-order from your favorite bookseller. Welcome to a new edition of The Thriller Zone. I'm your host, David Temple, in a new home, in a new studio, which is our office, and uh, with a whole new set of excitement coming your way. I got to tell you something. (laughs) Every once in a while, no, it happens actually more frequently than not, I run across a guest that just absolutely uh, lights me up, and it's who is just absolute fun. And Erin Flanagan is that author. On today's show, we talk about her book, Come With Me. It's a spectacular read. She is a hoot and a half, and we have so much fun. So, first of all, welcome to the new digs. Uh, There's going to be some fun things happening in this next fifth season, where uh, here at the new home, we're going to be checking out some new spots around the property. Right now, please join me in welcoming Aaron Flanagan to the Thriller Zone. I think I've got my world all organized. Oh, this is not my world. I'm in my husband's office because I also am like this close to buying a new computer, and oh. I was afraid the internet wasn't going to work. So I'm like, let's hope. Well, there's a couple things you got really going for you that you you paid attention in class. One is oh, you you've got great light on your face. You got a great camera. You're like 1080p, so meaning you're not a standard little, you know, yeah. laptop 720. Oh, that's funny. I can hear you, and you look fabulous. So oh my gosh! Well, that's all my husband's doing. I mean, he didn't do my hair or makeup, but like it's his setup. <laughs> He's like, I didn't sign on for that shit, Aaron. I'm not doing your hair or makeup. What's his name? Barry. Hey, Barry, can you come in here and do uh, David's <laughs> hair and makeup? Come on over here. Ah, huh? give me a little. God bless him. Give me a little <laughs> spritz and a fits and it's just. <laughs> oh, gosh. I've been listening to your podcast and I try. You are just, I can hear the radio. I can hear it. I yeah. love it so much. You're such a natural. You're so sweet. And you have been such a, the, I don't know. I don't recall when our paths crossed, but you, you instantly took to me and you can always tell people that just really genuinely like you. I'm not just yeah. sucking up to you. And, and there's a click and a magic, and, and I knew it the minute you came on the camera, and I'm like, we're going to have so much fun. Oh, you good. Know? Good, good, good. And I would be remiss if I did not mention this beautiful uh, book right here. Make sure it's front and center. Oh, I love it. I love that cover so much. It is so good. And you know, the funny thing, I, I'm going to be all over the place. You're okay with that, right? Yeah. Okay, good. Your time is my time. My time is yours. Exactly. All right. So are we official, officially started? Yeah, we have a. We have to be charming for an audience now, and not just you. The minute you show up, we officially start. (laughs) Okay, good. That's part of the radio background because you (laughs) never know what's going to be used. True. Yeah. So I tell you what I like about this. Now there's a there's a little similarity to some uh, other type typography that's happening now. But when I saw this, I go, "Come with me, where?" Mm -hmm. And. And who are the two people? Mm-hmm. And where are they going? And what's with the birds? And is the cloud the is the cloud a reckoning or a beckoning? Or, <laughs> oh, I love that a reckoning or a beckoning. 
And like that green sky was what kind of got me. That And like in the Midwest, I'm like, bad, bad shit's coming. Like that's yeah. tornado guy right there. So I was like, when, as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, like I yeah. gasped. Yeah. All right. I'm going to start a whole new series of T-shirts on this show. I did. I, my very first one was with uh, Chris Hottie, and, and I was asking him his uh, best writing advice, and he said, don't be boring. And I went out and printed a hashtag don't be boring T-shirt. So one is going to, and I'm going to give credit to who said it on the bottom. Mm -hmm. And that shit's coming is the new one for you because you just said that one, shit's coming. I would be so delighted. If there's not swag out there, I won't buy. I'm serious. Oh. Like you put that on a t-shirt, I'll order it in every size. Okay. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Well, that shit's coming and it's called Come With Me. So this is what we're going to be talking about. And at the top, Julia Dahl, who is an Edgar nominated yeah. author of The Missing Hour. She says, Aaron Flanagan is without a doubt one of the best crime writers working today. That's amazing. That's amazing. So I like I met Julia. I haven't met her in person yet, but she was one of the first people in the crime writing community that uh, reached out to me over Twitter. And we became friends that way. And I just she's the epitome of a great crime writer as far as like the community. Well, in so many ways, but the community like she was so welcoming and so kind and just over and over. That's those are the people I've met. And she's a baller. So when she said that about me, I was like, oh, that's me. Like, I was so excited. She's a baller. <laughs> We did cover the fact that we're going to be at BashaCon together, right? Yes, we did. Okay. Oh my gosh, I'm I, so excited. I cannot wait to give you a great big old hug. We're gonna oh, it's going to, yeah, it's going to be something. Barry, there's no offense <laughs> meant with my hugging your wife. And I don't know why I'm using that accent. It's okay. Yeah, you don't either. But you're from I love Ohio, it. and I'm using this. I know what it is because we watched this movie last night. It was uh, set in Brooklyn. Anyway, so, and the, and the characters were so good. So I woke up going, hey, Honey, you want to give me a cup of coffee or what? <laughs> did she did she respond to that? She did. She goes, hey, go yourself. I'll get your own <laughs> coffee. Well done. <laughs> All right. So come with me is the book. Aaron Flanagan is our guest here on the Thriller Zone. I'm so excited. We're officially going. We've been officially going for seven minutes and 52 seconds, but... <laughs> I'm going to get to Gwen Maynard and her daughter and all that goodness, mm -hmm. but I want to talk about how your summer's going. What has the summer been like? And the reason I say that is I just like to get to know my friends mm -hmm. a little bit better. So what have you been up to? What have you planned? What have you done? What are you doing before the end of the summer? What have I done? I went to London. That was very fun. My husband was over there doing research. So I he had... Um, some days when his archive was closed. So I went over for like four or five days and it was fantastic. But we figured out when I'm on vacation, all I want to do is the things that I actually do at home. Like I want to go to a little coffee shop. I want to go to Costco. I want to go to a pub, you know? So I yeah. like, he did all the museums when I wasn't there. So that's what we did and just had a fantastic time. You can still get a hot dog for $1.50 with a free Coke at Costco. Yeah. So like, it was just, it was a great trip. Um, and what else have I done? I'm going to Killer Nashville in a week or two. And I'm very excited about that. And then BoucherCon, I'll teach, I'll teach my class one time and then I'll go to BoucherCon and then come back and it'll be Labor Day. It's been a great summer. Good for you. Yeah. yeah I'd love to be able to make Killer, but there's just, there's too much going on. I can't spread myself so thin. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's going to be fun though. Yeah. No, I'm so excited. 
Yeah, BoucherCon especially. I just am like, I went last year for the first time and oh, I like almost, I fanned girl over everybody. I almost, I almost uh, got too much in Attica Locke's personal business in the elevator because I was so excited. I was like, oh my God, aren't you Attica Locke? And she was like, oh, this is a moment I don't know. Yeah. But she's very gracious. It can be a little disarming. However, and I want, I want to back up because we, you, you touched on something out of the gate, and that was about this writing community. And I want to give props once again, great big old lifting of props to our hashtag writing community because mm -hmm. without them, we wouldn't exist. And the yeah. love and affection and support, the mm -hmm. unconditional support is unlike, and I've said this before, but it's unlike anything I've ever seen in yeah. business. Usually, you know, they're uh, biting at your neck, nipping at your heels, trying to bury you with everything. Mm -hmm. what? But here they go, what can I do to help? And it's so genuine. Yeah. Like, it's, it's been really wonderful. And I don't know how anybody would do this if they didn't have other people in their corner. Both for the writing part where you're like, clearly I don't know what I'm doing. And then they help you through that to the publishing yeah. part. Do I do this? Do I do that? Like, it's... It, at every step, it's been so wonderful to be part of the community. And here's the, uh, just to put one extra little uh, bow on that, is that you would think, because we're a um, celebrity-driven society, you would think, oh, mm -hmm. the bigger they get, the hootier, tootier they might be. Or as my mm -hmm. wife said when we moved into this new place, <laughs> and someone called us bougie. And I'm Ooh. like, what? I said, you're so bougie now. And I'm like, yeah. I'm no more. You know, anyway. whenever anybody says anything to me that I'm like, I think that's an insult. I say, thanks. Yeah. If somebody's like, you're so bougie. I'm like, yeah. they never knew what to do because they can't back up then and admit it was an insult. <laughs> well, we've turned it into uh, our own fun little joke. But my point being is the higher the people get up the ladder, oftentimes, uh, and I found this with people on the show, guests mm -hmm. on the show. They're, they're as nice as can be. And you would yeah. think because it's the Hollywood, you know, I live close Hollywood adjacent. You would think, oh, they're just, oh, you're a star mm -hmm. stalker. When indeed that's not the case. That's awesome. And just think you, Aaron, mm -hmm. are going to be a, a super rock star one day. It, oh you're Lord. practically there already. But, and then people will be going. I can't even imagine. That's the funniest thing. You can feel it though, can't you? It, it, I can't imagine. Like that just seems bananas. You and I would have a lot of fun on my, uh, I've got a second podcast. I'm toying with this idea because, uh, I mean, I love thrillers. Don't get mm -hmm. me wrong. And this is, I'm, I might have to cut this out of the show because I don't want to detract from you. No, no, no. But tell but me about so it. I want to know. Well, there's so many things I love to discuss and that are, that go beyond the realm of thriller world. Like, mm -hmm. like, uh, time and space reality and quantum physics and mm -hmm. health and science and longevity. Yeah. Things like that. Oh, great. Wouldn't it? Yeah. Would you be a guest? I would love to be a guest. I was like, I always wanted to open a store that was just like shit Aaron likes. And people come in and be like, this is my favorite kind of yarn to crochet. Let's all read these books. Who wants to eat some pie? But I don't really know if there's an audience for that. Oh my God, that's my favorite line of the week. Shit, Aaron likes. Can you tell? Yeah. Um, here we go. Another hashtag shit, Aaron likes. 
I think that would be a terrific store. And you know what? It could be a pop-up store. Hmm. Yes. So when nobody came, I could be like, clearly word didn't get out. Clearly, this was shit that you didn't like. So I'm moving it down the road. <laughs> oh, Kenny, that's hilarious. All right. Thank you for uh, bearing with me on that. I just like to get to know you. Like, yes, uh, that's great. I want to talk about this character, Gwen Maynard, because she's a widowed single mom. I'm going to let you take it from here, but she's come back to her hometown of uh, in, in Ohio, home state, mm -hmm. with her daughter. And uh, the the line used to be, and hilarity ensued, but there is not a lot of hilarity in this. So much. Tell no. me about it. Well, so she comes home. Her husband has died. He's um, young in his 30s. He dies of a heart attack very unexpectedly. And she um, has been out of the workforce for 10 years, thought he was doing great with his tech startup, and finds out after he dies that he's reinvested everything. She has no money. She's going to have to sell the house. She's got nothing. So she contacts this woman, Nicola, who she was an intern with a decade ago and finds out she's moved up the corporate ladder. And Nicola graciously says, hey, I, I'll get you an interview here. Why don't you come back? And keeps gen like extending a hand in different ways. Gwen moves back and then finds out, oh, I think I'm a little more under this woman's way than I thought I was and what happened to her old colleague and some other stuff. It's the other stuff we won't drill down on because that would give it away. But yes. that other stuff uh -huh. is the good stuff. Thank you. Yeah. Tell me where, and, and if this is cliche or you've, you've repeated this a hundred times, just bear with me now and slap me later. <laughs> But where did this come from? And I don't mean necessarily, oh, where do you find your inspiration? I don't mean that. Everybody, you're going through life. We're all, all of us writers are going through mm -hmm. life and we see something and we go, oh, that'd be interesting. And then we start. Yeah. This comes from a, like, the story is so vivid to me. It, um, I have a group of women here in Dayton. We talked about the great writing community. And we get together at my sister. Uh, my sister's house, we call it the Hanson House Writing Retreat. We do like a couple a year. We'll go for a weekend, pack the snacks and get down to writing. Yep. And there's all this great conversation that goes around that as well. And right when we got there, it was on a Friday. The Thursday before my idea had been um, basically passed on by um, the people who needed to say yes to it. Right. And I, so I was planning on working on this book and I had nothing. I was going in with not an idea, nothing. And we were talking about how much we loved our friendship before we started writing and stuff and how great it was. And that kind of veered into talking about those friendships that had not been as supportive. And we're like, is it that we're later in life now or what? But we, but we all had a story about a woman who it was a little too fast. We got a little too close. It's almost like a romantic relationship, but without sex where you're so under, so crushing foul. on the other person that you kind of lose your head a little bit, but there's no way to like break up with that or get out of it. And so we, that's kind of where it started. And by the end of the weekend, I had sketched out like most of the major points of the book had a really solid idea of where it was going and was able to pitch it like the next week it was crazy and I'm not a, I'm not a plotter at all so this was all 
kind of brand new to me, but it really struck a chord because I've had those friendships and I always felt kind of silly about them. Like, why did this hit so hard? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. You made me think of something as we were talking and guys will jokingly call it, oh, I got a, I got a man crush or I got a, bro- mm-hmm. I want to have a bromance with that guy. It sounds one way, but it's really just us saying, God, that guy is so cool. I really like him. I like his energy. I want to hang out with him. Yeah. Which women are completely and thoroughly comfortable saying that and mm-hmm. acting on that at every turn. Guys feel like it's less macho or some kind of bullshit, I suppose. Yeah. No, I think the book is somewhat specific to female friendships, but I definitely think there's a male counterpoint to that. And I think part of it with women is, like, we'll go out for two drinks, and after the second one, we're like, oh, my God, I love you. Oh, my God, I love your purse. I love your hair. I love your shoes. I love everything about you. And, like, then we're besties. You know, so it gets it gets rolling so fast. <laughs> I can't tell how much of you I adore just because of you or that Midwestern <laughs> flavor. My wife knows it's that Midwestern flavor that just says, this is the way it is. I'm telling you like yeah. it is. You I know, just had to sink into it. I can't, I can't escape yeah. the Midwest. Yeah. Lean into it, girl. Lean into it. (laughs) Well, it's funny because I think of a guy uh, in my past, we'll call him Richard because his nickname was Dick and it fit. But anyway, he was a great friend. And uh, when all of a sudden it went south, it was like, you know, dude, it's time for us to break up. Uh He was married and had kids and so forth. But uh, it's the same kind of thing. And with this story, it made me think, Wow, isn't it funny how women have that bond and all of a sudden they see, much like any relationship, you see the relationship through the veil that you want to see it and you hold on to it. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden one day you realize if I slide that, oh, things aren't quite what they see. Yes, things are not as good as I hoped. Yeah. What did you do about Richard? Did you guys just ghost and or did you have to break up? You know, it's so funny you should ask that. And I've never done this kind of personal stuff on the show, but you asked. And I mm-hmm, told I my did. wife from day one, if you ask me a direct question, I am going to tell you. So I invited him to our wedding. Tammy mm-hmm. and I celebrated uh, yesterday was six years that I asked her to marry me. It was such a sweet day. Congratulations. But anyway, I invited him to his to my wedding. And he was one of these guys that was always just feeding you lines. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I have every intention to be there. Mm-hmm. You what? I have every intention to be there. And this went on for a couple of weeks. I'm like, dude, I have every intention to need to know how many people are going to be at the damn party. So I know how to, right. you know, and this went on a while. And I'm like, you know, I finally said, you know what, dude, you're disinvited. And you did, you yeah. said it, you didn't just think it in your head. Oh no. I called him. I said, dude, sorry, you're disinvited. Have a nice life. Take care. Boom. That was it. Oh, see, that's a six page short story. I never would have had the balls to like confront him. Well, here's the thing about getting the balls to confront. When you put your, I feel like we're on a couch or something in therapy, (laughs) doctor. No, when you put your heart and soul into a friendship, which is what I do, Mm -hmm. then I expect reciprocity of some sort. And if you're not willing to go the distance, then why should I go the distance? And uh, he kind of screwed me over a couple of different places. And so I thought, well, you know, things happen. But then when it comes to something that's muy importante like that, mm-hmm. and you're not going to play ball and be, I have every intention on attending, <laughs> except he wasn't British. And um, I'm like, well, I have every intention of telling you to go fuck off. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's so mature. And of course, 
know your self-worth, that's what you should do, which is part of the issue in the book is Gwen doesn't have that confidence. She doesn't think she can do anything on her own. She thinks, oh, I'm so lucky this woman's friends with me. And so her starting place is not quite as quite as advanced. No, that's, of course, the healthy way to handle anything, which is difficult in fiction. Well, it took me 60 plus years to get to the uh, healthy place. Trust yeah. me, I, I was a real douchebag early on, probably, or an idiot or faker or something. But th there comes, there, something happens when you cross over probably late 50s, but certainly by the time you cross that 60, and I know you're surprised because you're like, what? There can't be. But anyway. Um, I, well, I heard people flatter you with that on that. And I was like, keep your, keep your mouth shut, Aaron. He knows. He knows yeah. he looks young. <laughs> My point. Bless you. No, the point is when you pass that point, you're just like, who cares? I'm closer yeah. to the end of the beginning and what you say doesn't really matter. Yeah. And if, if you're not going to be genuine, I think that's the thing. And that's, again, I'm going to always want to pull back to the book. This is something about when I'm, so, so I'm meeting uh, uh, Nicola and I'm like, there's something, it feels disingenuous. There, there's, mm -hmm. it appears to be genuine. And so I'm on for the ride. But as I go through, I'm like, uh, if Aaron is going to play with my head like I think she is, I bet you this is going to have a uh, going to be a brittle path, a a rocky mm -hmm. path I walk along. And, you know, the seams seems started to stretch uh, yeah. in different places. And when they popped, I was like, oh, this isn't going to end well for a couple of people. That's, well, and that's such a hard line because you want it to be believable that she could be a genuine friend. And she is in a lot of ways a genuine friend. Yeah. But it, friend, but it also has to be believable that maybe things are not quite as pure or are more driven than we think. And so I, I kept trying to strike that balance. Well, uh, mission accomplished, as I like Thank to say. You. Yeah, you did. You did strike the balance. And I want to know this, since I am brand new to Aaron Flanagan and mm -hmm. I'm brand new to come with me, uh, I do know that you have other works, Blackout. Mm -hmm. Dear Season, and two short story collections. I'm okay. going to circle back to short stories. But first yeah. of all, how does Come With Me differ from Blackout and Dear Season? And Dear Season really kind of puts you on the map, right? Yeah, that is such a different book in a lot of ways. It's um, All of them take place in the Midwest. Um, but Dear Season is a pretty quiet novel um, about um, uh, a girl goes missing in a small town in Nebraska in the 1980s. And she... Um, the the most likely suspect is this man, Hal, who is a mentally challenged farmhand. And it's told from the missing girl's brother's point of view and then the couple that the farmhand works for. And so it's somewhat of a slower moving uh, mystery, really about the town, the characters and all that. And then Blackout has um, is a contemporary thriller, has um, uh, a little taste of a sci-fi element. It's about a woman who is a recovering alcoholic and she's kind of hanging on by the skin of her teeth. And she starts having these mysterious blackouts like seven months into her sobriety. And then she gets in a car accident and finds out she's not the only one who's having them. Other women in the city are as well. So like all of the books, like to my mind, they're somewhat feminist. They've got strong characterizations. They're Midwestern, but they are so different. And I think about from a branding standpoint, I could not miss the mark more. Like I am so all over the board. And I guess they're, it's, you know what? I could sell these books in Aaron's store, Shen Aaron Likes. Because that's the only thing that seems to connect them. 
Hello and welcome to Shit Aaron Likes on today's show. <laughs> oh, don't let go of that, Aaron, by the way. Do not let go of that idea because. I'm on it. Yeah. Well, I, I when I saw the cover of Blackout, I was like, that was another one of those covers. Mm -hmm. and I don't have it to pull up because I don't have a copy, but I was like, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll flash it up on the screen. I'm like, ooh, now that, what the hell is going on here? Yeah. I'm going to go back to your point. The thing is, and. and Correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of authors, especially guys who are really uh, close to the top of the charts, mm -hmm. they find a character and they do a series. Boom, bitty, boom, bitty, boom, bitty, boom, bitty, boom. And we, you, you and I could rattle off 10 right now. As fat. We could yeah. have a contest to see who could rattle off more, but I'm not going to do that. About they find the series, they lock into the series, and they continue the series because why? Uh, people love to read something. Mm -hmm. They like, they know what they like, and they want to stick with it. And I'm all for that. However, yeah. sometimes, and I talk to a lot of authors about this, dude, uh, David, dude, whatever they call me, uh, your honor, uh, I get tired, I got tired of it. And so I wrote, you know, something standalone uh -huh. and then they found out that they liked the standalone. They kept doing it and they made a success of that. So back to your point, I think as long as you, look, let's, let's get down to the real nitty gritty. As long as you're having fun and enjoying yeah. the ride and you're pleasing yourself. Cause if we don't start there, mm -hmm. I don't want to sound like a Southern Baptist preacher, but if we don't stop there, <laughs> hallelujah, then going to be a foobar, you know, down the road. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Like you have to be your first best reader in a way. Like if you're not enjoying the story or entertained or curious, what's going to happen, who else is going to be? And I do love, um, like my sister, she loves this series. Oh my gosh. Um, if she, she found Kent Harris, uh, series only like a year ago. And every time I talked to her, what are you reading? Book six, book eight, book 12. Like she just, she went through all 17 in a row. Like she loves the series. And, um, I, I love reading a series, but I can't imagine sticking with a character that long. And like you had mentioned, I had two short story collections first. And like when I was kept, it took me forever to make that leap to novels. And I was like 300 pages on the same heap. Are you kidding me? What, what do I have to say after 20? Like it took me forever to kind of figure out a story big enough. So it, to go beyond that, like people have said, oh, would you be interested in revisiting deer season? And I'm like, yeah, no. But not at this point, anyway. Oh, for gosh sakes, no. What are you, crazy? <laughs> oh, the Minneapolis accent, yeah. Oh, gosh. Get on oh, gosh. here. 288 pages <laughs> is all I had in me. A lot of pages. That's a whole lot of pages. <laughs> Jesus, Mary and Joseph. <laughs> they couldn't all together read a book longer than 300 pages. Right? Thank you. Yeah. 288. I'm going to tell you something straight up. I love this length. I, I, I do too. And maybe it's because I'm, I said this the other day to somebody, maybe part of it is because I'm reading so much. Maybe part of yeah. it is because I have a shortening attention span, mm -hmm. but you can tell a good story in 300 pages or less. Yeah. No, I want enough pages that I'm getting my money's worth, but not so many that I've committed to yeah. that book for the rest of my life. Let's go back to short story collections because there's a couple things I want to roll around with you about. Mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of shorts. You know why? Because they're like snacks to me. And back mm -hmm. to reference uh, eating. So, so I, since I eat so many meals mm -hmm. uh, on a weekly basis, and I think this coming week I'm going to be reading three books simultaneously oh to be able to 
because I got to get ahead of things in time for BoucherCon when you and I yeah. are going to be hanging out. Yeah. But uh, so, so I'm eating on these meals on a weekly basis. So I, it's, I, it's nice to escape with a little snacking session of short mm -hmm. stories. You can kind of dip in, you know, you're sitting at a doctor's office, you're waiting here, you're doing that and you're walking the dog and you're, you know, and you just like, you just want to. Yeah. Little taste. Yeah. Little taste. Tell me about your love of little taste. You know, shit that Aaron likes. Shit that Aaron likes. Well, I first uh, started reading contemporary short stories in college. Like, I didn't really know they existed. Um, I had read classics in high school and in college and stuff. But then I got into contemporary short stories. Somebody put a story by Laurie Moore in front of me. And I was like, what in the hell is this goodness? Like, I, it was so funny. I just, everything about it, I absolutely fell in love. So I worked on short stories for a long, long time. And then eventually I was like, okay, I want to try this novel business. And I was so used to kind of like looking through the window in the house at like what I could see in that one room versus like walking through and looking in the medicine cabinet, seeing what was in the fridge, that it took me a long time to make that leap. I wrote four novels that didn't sell before I wrote Deer Season. And like, I knew they were longer. I'm not a complete idiot. Like I knew 300 pages was longer than 20. But what I hadn't figured out for the longest time was that it wasn't just longer. It was so much deeper. Yeah. Like those characters that I was looking at from the outside in a short story, I had to get to know why they got, how they got to that moment that I was talking about in the novel, not just be in that moment. Yeah. And that was the hard thing for me. And it took me a long, long time to kind of figure that out and make the leap. And since like Deer Season, I've written a few short stories, but I haven't really gone back that much, but I still love to read them. Yeah. It's, again, snacks. Oh, wait, I, I got to jot down that woman's name that you were so in love with. What's her, that you liked her reading? What, what is Lori her name? Lori Moore. Is it Lori, L-O-R-I? L-O-R-R-I-E, I think. Okay. And There's two M double letters in each name. I think it's two R's and two O's. R -E -K. All right. And she is she funny like Janet Ivanovich? That kind of funny? She's funny like no funny I've ever seen. Like, she is funny. So she, her story, Real Estate, and her story, You're Ugly Too, are <laughs> two of my favorite. Oh, I just it makes love Makes me think of the, the joke, uh, blah, 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 I want a second opinion. And you're ugly too. Uh, That's the joke. That's the, where the title comes from. <laughs> I'm going to read her. It, she's not thrilling. She's very unnerving in a, in a wonderful way. It's not crime writing necessarily. It's just there's something very unnerving. It's okay. You know what? If, if it's coming, from, I'm writing down unnerving. If it comes from you, that's right there below this note. Hashtag shit Aaron Light. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I love be, it. I love too. You're like, I'm writing all over this book. Look at me with my pen. Yeah. Ready? People think they're like, well, get it there. Mess it up. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I know where that comes from. My mom, you know, my mom, books were sacrosanct. They were sacred. Uh-huh. I would do, watch this. I would do this as a kid. I love it. Daughter. Oh, I love it. Yeah. She'd come here and she'd go, what is this? Fold that page down. It's a book. No, this this right here. Yeah. I had a professor in college was like, I was taking, I was underlining something during class and he came by and he was like, really a pen? And I was like, oh, I'm not smart enough to make the right note. 
And I, I think about that all the time when I'm messing it up with, uh, when I'm putting my pen in, I'm like, fuck you, dude. I'm using a pen. Right? Yeah, watch this. You know, my favorite thing <laughs> is highlighting because I'll come up like, oh. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's perfect. No, I love it. You I always say to my it. students, I'm like, open up a book and get sexy with it. Just yeah. open up a book and get sexy with it. it. It just means get in there and have fun. Do it they, one more time for me. They know. Do that move one more time. <laughs> oh, my God. Our next, our next interview has got to be in person. Okay. That's, yeah. Let's do it. That has been uh, a dream of mine for the two years that I've been doing the show. And then my very first sit down face to face was Chris Hottie. And we had so much fun right in a studio face to face. And I was oh, like, bet. this is what I want to do from now on. The problem is, is getting on a plane and coming out. Yeah. What it takes to, you know, get to see you and hang out. Could you the, do it about your con? Could you uh, set up oh, something about your con? Oh, I am. Are you? Oh, yeah. That's very exciting. Yeah. I'm going to be hanging out with David Brown. Big plug to Simon oh, and Schuster, Atria music boss here awesome. and uh, by the way did you see simon and schuster sold yesterday to an independent group for i did yeah 172 billion something like that yeah it was crazy Anyways. that's not even real money at that point uh let's see so snacking session yeah um oh oh we, i was gonna ask you your favorite part of it oh, so you kind of answered that my question to you is this do you think the market will bear short stories there have been st there have been arguments since as far back as I can remember. Oh, you, mm -hmm. son, you shouldn't write short stories. They're never going to sell. Oh, you shouldn't write short stories. No one's going to believe you can write a full story. And I'm like, um, <laughs> and then I think about this and I'd love to reach over and pull it off the shelf, but it's packed in some boxes. Don Winslow did a short story collection recently called Broken, I think it was, and Every single one of them was stinking fantastic. Mm -hmm. And they were just tiny little, they weren't just a yeah. snack. They were like miniature meals. And I'm like, I like that. I'm going to go back I do to too. it. So I'm saying, do you think the market can bear it? No, mm. <laughs> I don't. And I think that's too bad because I really love short stories. And I think they're, there's, it's a, a different craft and I, I love writing them. I love reading them, but I don't think, unless like you're Don Winslow, yeah. you can, sell a book of short stories for much. You know, like, I don't think the market is going to, like, people are going to pay for them. I, but I do think people like them. And I think, in a way, there's something about it that makes writing short stories even more of a rebellion then. Like, you have to do it because you love it. You know, I, I'll always write short stories. Like I said, I haven't for a while, but I will always come back to that. And I'll come back to it knowing I'm like, maybe I'll give 50 bucks. But yeah. you do it because you love it. And, hey, and writers do that too much anyway. But yeah. I, I do think there's something, it's almost rebellious to have this little side project of short stories going because you love it. Well, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's great practice. It's, mm -hmm. it's a good way to just keep your chops up on a daily basis. I mean, think about this. You have a beginning, a middle, and an end. I mean, it's a three-act mm -hmm. play uh, unless you split it up with five and dig into all these different formatting uh equations but a good story is a good story a good yeah. story well told is still entertainment and remember um james patterson did a test oh and what was the name of them called they were um they were they weren't shorts they were oh come on what is it called i'm gonna novellas no james patterson short 
Hold on. Be, bear with me. Thank you for bearing with me. Oh, no problem. Book shots. Thank you. Book shots. Book shots. Book shots. And I don't, I don't think it ever actually, oh, I'm going to say this. And then when he's kind of come on the show, he's going to look at me and go, uh, dude, do you remember when you said book shots didn't work? I'm James Patterson. All right. Call me Jimmy. They do work. Oh my gosh. However, um, I don't think they did. Well, and if they did, they worked for James Patterson, you know? I, I'm sure he sold a buttload of them. I mean, come on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think the Amazon um, short stories, the Amazon originals, those have, like, I do think people have been reading more of those short stories. They're like 99 cents. So I have hope for short stories, just not a lot. And not market-wise. And as a genre, love it. Can you give me an Aaron Flanagan-ism? That will fit, I'm giving you a second here, that oh will fit a hashtag much like shit Aaron likes. I mean, come on, think about it. I've got, you've got one for shorts. I'll, I won't put the pressure on you. You can think about it and we'll come I'm not thinking about it. Okay. I might, ha I might not have it until Boutricon, but <laughs> and then I'll have workshopped it. Okay. Like, it will be so tight. You'll, you'll be like, this is the best hashtag I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> It'll be so tight. I'm going to get Barry on it. Yeah, okay. Well, I, I do want to say this in a little bit of seriousness. I was researching your work and I, I, I like to drill down probably a little bit more than your average beer. And I thought, okay, I find that a lot of your work and I would, I didn't read your other books that I referenced earlier, but mm -hmm. I did, I've read synopsis and I read reviews because I like to know what people are talking about. But I discovered that so much of your work revolves around this kind of a, uh, it's, it's, it's a finer detail of, uh, personal connections and family dynamics. And it seems to be a thread that's kind mm -hmm. of through each one of your stories. And I, so it makes me want to, so it begs the question to me, I wonder if Aaron is Aaron. And I, I mean, this kind, not really jokingly, kind of seriously, uh -huh. is she working through things in her own life? Did she, did she find, is she relying on things that have happened in her past that she's just trying to kind of work through, which I think a mm -hmm. lot of time writing is doing that. Or is it just, no, you know what? It's kind of family is the core of why we're here, love and family. So yeah. why not just uh, research and expose and, you know, reflect upon those themes? Yeah, no, and I think it's probably the combination. Like, I uh, am very close with my family. Uh, I have one sister. My parents are kind of in the process of moving to Dayton, and I could not be more thrilled about it. Okay. Very close with my husband, um, my stepkids, my daughter. Like, family is really at the core of who I am. But I do think, like, I'm, I'm constantly working things through that I can't let go of in my past in one way or another. Like, thinking about um, female friendships or thinking about... Um, my parents, when they moved to the farm where I grew up, which is somewhat the setup of deer season. And I think I'm always trying to get to some kind of core about that. And I've, one of the things that, uh, like my life philosophies, and this is again, like people are basically good, but they do shitty things. It's not much of a philosophy, but it really does, is at the core of what I believe and what I write about is that I do think people, um, are basically decent, yeah. but I think we all mess up in interesting ways and we're always trying to climb out of that. And I think there's a lot of shame 
in getting things wrong. And those are like, that's something that's kind of followed me around in my life too. Like this feeling of like, oh, I did this wrong. I did that wrong. I wasn't smart enough. I wasn't pretty enough, whatever it is. And I'm trying to constantly dig myself out of that hole. And now that I'm older, I care less. Like, see, but it's, it's still there and it's still something I'm constantly exploring. See, that's so what happens the, when you, you turn look at 39. the situations in the book and they're not the same. They're not my life. Yeah. Um, but there's enough there that I'm like, oh yeah, I know where that came from. But I, but some of the big stuff I don't, I'm just like, oh, until my sister's like, you realize this, right? And I'm like, nope, not a clue. Yeah. Thanks, sis. Um, don't yeah, let right. that door hit you on the way out. Um, well, I think that's, I think that's very healthy. I think mm -hmm. it's, it's smart, uh, that you're working stuff out. I, I do, it does tell me a whole lot about you that you mm -hmm. are, you know, you're trying to resolve some things and, uh, but it's kind of why we're here, isn't it? Yeah. Right. Work through some things. And here's another thing I, uh, about reading your work, Aaron is, it's, it's the way you have with nuance. And I, I, that's such a great word nuance because it is. And what I mean about that is you spend a good time of deal, uh, time, a deal of time writing about relationships, like I said, mm -hmm. and those nuances often arise from, uh, the complexities of those relationships. Oh, I think I like her. Oh, I'm not sure it's, mm -hmm. it's reciprocal. And, but like, do you think that is always that driving force so that you can constantly search and find out, am I, let's use this phrase, am I getting into this friendship relationship for the mm -hmm. right reasons? Mm -hmm. mm. Oh, okay. Say the question again. I feel like I got, I, so I here it is. You're, you're looking at my hair. It's, it looks <laughs> delicious. You are working through things as you write. We all mm -hmm. do that. Do you suppose that you are trying to find out? See, I got distracted by your hair now, and I've already looked. <laughs> do Do you feel like it's a good way to help find those results? Hey, you know what? Did I am I getting into this friendship for the right reason? Do Do I see some splashiness about her that I wish I had, only to find out later? Oh, the splashiness is a overcompensation for the lack that she really hates herself. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, um, I think Not what I'm doing as far as like what I'm exploring about myself there is trying to figure out, um, or trying to let, like I mentioned shame earlier, kind of letting that go about like, oh, I felt bad about this relationship or I felt bad about this friendship or I was self-conscious of this. And just putting it out there makes it so much easier to just let it go. Like I had mentioned, um, like female friendships and stuff. And for me, it was really hard when a friendship would end because I was like, oh, no, but we were so close. I thought we would be friends forever. And now I don't really speak with this person. And I always felt really bad about that. And writing about it helped me process it and get it out there. And you also mentioned like the word nuance. And I think one of the things I'm always doing and I'm writing is trying to look for that detail that's going to really show who someone is and maybe the embarrassment or the shame that they had. Like there's a scene in Deer Season when the main character, Alma, she's um, a woman in her 50s and she's at a picnic and every year her jean shorts are just a little bit tighter and she has to pick her underwear out of her butt. And I just, 
up. I remember writing that and thinking, that would be so embarrassing for Alma to have to admit her underwear is up her butt. And it, like, there were, it was such a throwaway thing. But like, that's what I'm always going for with the nuance is that detail that's going to maybe hit the reader and be like, oh, yeah, I've been embarrassed by that. Oh, I remember when I felt self-conscious about my body or whatever it is. It's relatability. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, it makes them real. Yeah. It's funny. Um, funny isn't the right word. It's interesting. My mother passed uh, three, ooh, five years ago, yeah. a couple of weeks ago. And I was thinking recently, working on a nonfiction book of mine, about how she was driven by so much shame in her life. And I can mm -hmm. talk about it now. I wouldn't talk about it if she were still with us because yeah. I would feel like it would embarrass her. But, and she would, in the quiet moments, she would admit that there was a lot of shame involved. And I thought it was really sad and poignant, mm -hmm. but sad that she would spend her entire life, which ended up being 87 years, uh, as a preacher's wife. Mm -hmm hiding and burying the shame, which I believe on a physiological level ended up killing her because of, if you, mm -hmm. I think if you bury something long enough, it's yep. going to percolate somewhere mm -hmm. without getting too deep on this, but you, 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 I feel very comfortable saying this, Yeah. but it makes me wonder if, you know, if all of this, if every, if, if every little step isn't, whether it's writing or building relationship is just trying to perfect ourselves and get to the best place that we feel about ourselves and to be healthy. And, mm -hmm. you know, if we're dealing with some kind of a shameful thing, or I grew up in the church my whole life, so everything was wrong. If you did anything, you're like, well, you know, you're going to hell for that, don't you? That's helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. That really <laughs> makes me believe in a loving God. Appreciate it. I hope that makes sense, but I just. It does. And I really think, um, like shame is one of the biggest problems people like have that they hold stuff in, they feel bad about things. And then nobody talks to, about the fact we all are picking our underwear out of our butt, right? Like we're all trumpy. We all right feel bad now. about these things and we're trying to figure out how to, how to move on. Then I just started a new project really recently and it's digging into girls in college and what that was like in the 90s and stuff. And I'm like, ooh, that's going to give me a lot to write about. Yes. Or a shame. Like, go for hard years, right? Oh, yeah. And, yeah. But I've just, yeah. It's so funny how much of shame is just self-imposed, though. Like, I, oh, I it could, always is, yeah. yeah. You and I could become really good friends, as I'm sure it would be easy to do. And mm -hmm. I could tell you that, oh, blah, blah, blah about me. And you'd be like, yeah, so what? I'm like, oh, but I feel so yeah. shameful about that. And you're like, get over it, David. Yeah. Nothing to it. It, it, it. Well, it's it reminds me of that song, Tom Petty, Wildflowers album. Most of what we worry about doesn't happen anyway. Yes, it's totally true. So. Absolutely true. You know. And I folks, can't believe how much spent time I spend on. <laughs> see? And that's the other thing. Like how much time we spend neurosing and worrying like how mm -hmm. many times, going back to your uh, your uh, example of relationships and girlfriends, girlfriends and so forth, mm -hmm. and you going, um, you know, years later, you know, Sally, I'm really sorry I ever did that, if if that was the cause of our demise. Never. Mm -hmm. Oh, what are you talking about, Aaron? I, oh, yeah. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. It's the no, I think, 
shit do we hold in our head? Yeah, I think friendships run their course sometimes. And um, and it's healthy to let them go, but it's really hard in the moment. Like one of the greatest friendships I have had was with this um, other woman, Erin. And we met in Lama's class before when we were pregnant. Obviously. Obviously. And uh, we'd had our babies within a day of each other at the same hospital. And I saw her there. And then like six weeks later, I ran into her at a Panera. And we were best friends for a year. Like we were best friends. Like, oh, my God, what's your baby doing? What's your baby doing? What's your baby? Like we were on the phone all the time. And then we hit a year. And it's, I never spoke to her again. <laughs> like our beanies turned one, one time, one time we got together after that, like six years later. And, but that, we needed each other to get through that first year as moms. We needed somebody who knew what we were going through in the moment, who wasn't going to be like, oh, baby, it gets better. Or like, oh, wait till you're on your third. We need someone who's like, my baby is 72 days old and I'm losing my mind. You know, so and like it was the it was one of the greatest friendships. And somehow we both just let it go. But I look back on it so fondly. Aaron, this reminds me of something that is it's going to make sense to you. So bear with me a second. I, I told you at the beginning we'll of the see. show. Yeah, David, leave that up to me, would you? Um, I think I know better than you. Tammy and I just moved for the I can't even count how many times we've moved. But so we start. We're downsizing. We we just, mm-hmm. we had too much house. We want to go something simpler. Now we live at a place that looks like a resort and we kind of digging it pretty good. Yeah. I do miss the backyard and the hammock. But don't talk about that. <laughs> My point is this. You downsize and you get rid of things. And all of a sudden you just realize, wow, I, I just, I, I've been, I've, there were things, Aaron, I was holding on to for 10 and 20 and 30 years. And here's mm-hmm. my thinking. And I get this from my mom. I'm sorry to say. Well, I could use that one day. I mean, it's it's yeah. it's perfectly fine. I when was the last time you saw it? Uh, it's a couple of years, and we just decide well, it's time to go. And here's yeah. my biggest point: it served me well for the time. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. I got my money's worth and my enjoyment, and now I can do a healthy release and, yes. and share it with someone else. We gave so much stuff away, and that's my point: is sometimes we you you feel just good. yeah. You, you, it served the purpose, your friendship. This is what I'm getting at. You, you met, you needed each mm-hmm. other. You're going through a similar time. You, yeah. Forget the fact that you had the same name and the same baby, you know, yeah, yeah. but you needed it. And then at the end of the year, instead of feeling shame or guilty or like, oh my God, mm-hmm. I just, I just bumped into her at the Piggly Wiggly and I had to turn the other way because I hadn't spoken to her in a year. You, you can go. Yeah. Yeah. It served its purpose. It was a really no, long way just... around the barn to get to that story. No, and this is totally not the point, but I came down uh, the other day and went into my husband's shop and he had, I don't, I'm not exaggerating. I think he had 32 cell phones out. He had every cell phone anybody of the family had ever had and was like, I think I'm going to get rid of them. I think I'm ready. I'm like, what the hell are you doing holding on to 32? Like he had the flips. He had the old Nokia with the key. I was just like, but we get rid of things when we're ready. When you're ready. Yep. There's going to be another hashtag. I'll wait for that later. Uh, but, you know, I, however we get there, we get there. Yeah, exactly. But, hey, Barry, you can only talk on one at a time. One of them had worked in years. Yeah. But he's, he's still got the cords. He's like, I, I, he's not ready. There's still a box Let of go. all the cords. And Let once every go. six years, he needs the cord. 
And then he's like, this is why I can never get rid of the box of chords. God bless him. When's his birthday? August 30. Oh, coming Are you going to send him your chords? Yeah. I'm <laughs> going to send him a box of chords because I have 700 of them. What is it with guys and keeping the chords? I don't know. But if I took you, Aaron, right now, if I took you to my uh, closet, you would, you would find oodles, oodles, gaggles mm -hmm. of chords. It's ridiculous. I promised yeah. myself this morning when I couldn't find. So those have, just to be clear, Damon, just to be clear, those have moved with you from the most recent house to the new house. The, the oodles, was it oodles of chords? Oodles. Yeah. You know. <laughs> I feel very shamed right now. Well, oh, no, don't be shamed. We're in like Mardi Gras feed. All right. Listen, there is one question before we start to wrap it up. I, I, I do want to know this because I knew being um, a teacher that you would have a great answer to this. When you begin a new story, do you tend to gravitate? And I hope this is a smart question because, you know, if you pull out the red pen, I'm going to feel really shamed. Oh, no. Do you tend to gravitate toward character? place or a particular inciting incident most what is what is your kind of your fallback your go-to i would say it's most often character <laughs> that's what i think drives story the most and sometimes i'll just start thinking about a character and get a sense of who they are and then think okay what what can i put in their way and then the inciting incident comes and we go from there but yeah it's almost always character that's so good. And you know what? That's what always think about this, Aaron. When you read a good book, it's the characters you yeah. fall in love with. When you watch a great television show or find a great movie at the cinema, you're like, it's the characters. Because let's face it, a lot of the other bombs and explosions and mm -hmm. environments are, you know, passing. Okay, that's great. And I suppose that it begs the question since we've been talking so much therapy. Yes. Aaron, and it looks like our time is done. So speak with Sally. Oh my gosh, it is. We'll, we'll schedule funny. a new, new We really paced it to an hour of therapy. <laughs> yeah. See, what are you working on next? Uh, I mean, we're, we're, listen, I'm not, I'm all about this, but I, I know you're working on something. New. I am. I just, like I said, I just started something and 90s. it takes place on a college campus in the nineties. And that's about all I got. Okay. That's good. Okay. But I love it. Folks, the book is Come With Me, Aaron Flanagan, Edgar Award-winning author of Dear Season. By the way, what's it feel like to be an Edgar winner? It's as amazing as you'd think. What's the best thing that ever happened to me? I've never been so surprised in my entire life. What did you for, do first? Uh, did you dance a jig or did you uh, pour the cocktails? Called the family, poured the cocktails. Yeah. And what's the cocktail of choice? Oh, it's usually beer. IPAs. I know. Really? Yeah. Oh, I love an IPA. Oh my God, Aaron, once again, you know, you're coming to the craft beer. I, oh, I know specifically capital of the world. I know, which surprisingly Dayton holds its own, but I am very excited about that. I can take you down a yeah. trail. Oh my gosh. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. Yes, I'll meet you in just a few weeks. I know. I'm so excited. <laughs> my wife and I were at the dinner last night and we were talking and she said, she goes, what is your, um, plan for BoucherCon. I said, well, honestly, I've got this gig with uh, David Brown, Simon and Schuster. Okay. Once again, thank you for that. Uh, we're going to do it on a Saturday morning, some kind of a brunch thing. I'm on a panel on Sunday um, talking about media. I don't know why. Um, that's <laughs> at like nine o'clock. 
I said, but the rest of the time, I'm hoping to be drinking lots of uh, refreshing beverages with my new friends from all around the world. Right. It's a pretty great conference. Which means I'm going to come home pretty soggy. <laughs> my guess is she's ready for it. Yeah. Well, I would uh, ask you this, as you know, what do I do? What do I ask my all my guests as I wrap the show? What's the number one? What is it? Piece of writing advice. Yes. What is it? Yours. Talk to so, me. So this is probably the least sexy answer you're ever going to get to this question. It's keep track of your writing time, both time and task. And this changed my writing game. So I keep a Google Doc with my best friend and we write how long we wrote that day and what we worked on. And the longer I have done this, which I have done this now for years, I am able to go back and look at the data and figure out how many hours it takes me to do things. So when I get an editorial letter that's 12 pages long saying, great, great job, let's Let's tear this thing apart and go back at it again. I'm like, that's 60 hours. Or if I start a new project and it sucks, I'm like, you're 30 hours in and a first draft is usually 80 to 100. And it has absolutely revolutionized how I do things. This is the first time I'm hearing anything like this. Really? And it's one of the best pieces of advice I've ever heard. Oh, my goodness. I mean... Think about it. It's systematic. Mm -hmm. It's categorical. It's like balancing checkbooks. It's numbers. Numbers don't lie, black and white. Right. A solid example of this. When I wrote Blackout, it took me um, 93 hours, I think it was, to write the first draft over 13 months. And when I got, when I figured that out, I was like, like 93 hours? Uh, why was that 33 months or 13 months? That's way too long. So I was like, when I started the next one, I'm like, I write a thousand words a day or 2000 words a day, depending on the day. And I wrote it the first draft in two and a half months because I knew I just had to write that much, how much I had to write a day. And I found out too, that the first draft is usually only about 20% of the actual work. It's all in revision for me because I, I don't plot things out. So once I figured that out, it's, it sucks. It's just got to get to the end. And then I can start the fun stuff. But it's really, it really made a huge difference. You are so, you're so <laughs> engaging. Oh my gosh. It's going to suck anyway, Dave. For gosh sakes. Eric. Well, it is. I mean, oh my gosh. That old Anne Lamott thing. Don't let me die before those things get done or they're going to think I lost anything I had. That is, it just ran across. I can't believe I knew where it was. Is that the one you're talking about? That's in a new house, especially. Bird by bird, right? And yeah, I'll never. Yeah, she talks about that. Like, oh, God, it's going to be so bad. Shitty first drafts. It's one of the chapters. Um, Aaron, I'm not sure when I read this, if I even finished it, but I'm going to now challenge myself to go back and read it. It's so the, so the, the number one key takeaway is then the, about the shitty draft, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I love that piece of advice. And I'm telling you what, th this, this bag, I got to, I got to drill down on this one more minute. You got mm -hmm. an extra couple of minutes? So think about this. Uh, I think there's a little bit of a romantic notion that certain people go, you know, it took me, mm -hmm. took me two and a half years to write that first draft. It was amazing. And I'm like, two and a half years, really? So yeah. I always wonder, was it the two and a half years to get the first draft or was it really more like six to nine or 12 or 15 months it took mm -hmm. to get the first draft and then 
the predominant amount of the remaining time was spent in revision. Yes. Well, I wonder about that. And I wonder, too, when people say, oh, it took me, you know, two years to write the first draft. I'm like, well, I mean, but how many hours was that? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like how many how much time was ass in chair and how much of it was not? And some people like I have I do everything on a keyboard. Like I'm always I think when I'm writing, I don't I can't think about a story outside of it as like that's not very helpful for me. I have to write it, throw it away, write it, throw it away. Um, but I've like my writing group has started keeping track now of their time. And one of them was saying, oh, I used to think I wrote all morning. She's like, I would be at my computer from seven to 11. She said, but I'd add it up and it was an hour and a half. And I'm like, yep. So I, I mean, I'm a big one too on setting timers. Like I'm going to write for 45 minutes. I can't get like distracted. And it might take me three hours to write for an hour and a half, but at least I know how much time it's been. You know what? That is such good insight because it does beg the question, is it concentrated time? Are you really yeah. in the story or are you, I'm in the story. Yeah. Well, I wonder what's on television tonight. I think I'll go yeah. make a quick snack, but I'll come back. But we're counting that as writing. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, no, I'm pretty strict about if I say I'm writing and say somebody comes in my office or something, I stop the timer and then I go back to it. Or if I'm like, well, I'm allowed to, I'm allowed to get a snack and I'm allowed to pee. Those things can happen on the timer. But other than that, I'm pretty strict. And I can only grab the crackers. I can't like make a sandwich. Got it. And so you actually use a timer. It's, mm -hmm. it's literally oh, yeah. a store style. Okay. That, that's brilliant. Okay. Well, that is so good. Well, folks, if you want to learn more about Aaron that you haven't already learned today. What could be left? We covered so much. We did. And you know what? I sincerely mean this. I could sit here and talk for another hour. It oh, me too. Yeah. yeah. Wow. But we're going to spend our time together at BasherCon. Yes, we are. Come with me, Aaron Flanagan, the website, AaronFlanagan.net. Mm -hmm. Was .com taken? It was. Mm. And I don't think that person's done anything with it. And by the way, I, I always said this before, and follow Aaron on X. No, Twitter. This, this is the first time I'm actually saying it in front of people. Follow Aaron on X. I eat Twitter. At Aaron L is in love okay. machine Flanagan. <laughs> And remember, folks, hashtag yeah, shit, yeah. shit Aaron likes. Shit Aaron's likes coming to a pop-up near you. <laughs> Man, this has begun. Thank you so much for spending all this time, Aaron. That was so great. Thank you so much, David. I'll see you soon. Your front row seat to the best thrillers. The Thriller Zone. Like Momo and Popo. The Thriller Zone has been presented by The Story Factory and the visionary genre-bending debut novel Grand Theft AI by James Cox. The Matrix meets Blade Runner. Grand Theft AI is available now for pre-order from your favorite bookseller.